Football Social Daily. Premier League Update. Happy Bloomin' Monday. This is Football Social Daily, the biggest stories and the latest news from the Premier League every single day in podcast form. I'm Jim Salverson, and wrapping up the latest action from the top flight today, we've got Marley Anderson. Hello. And we've got Steve McNaughton. Hello. So on our to-do list of topics, Newcastle United, the annual takeover deals have surfaced again, but this time, is it the real deal? Is the takeover actually going to go through? We'll talk about that. Jurgen Klopp can't even be bothered to turn up for the replay of their FA Cup tie against Shrewsbury when that happens in a few weeks' time. <laughs> the underdogs have secured a money-spinning replay at Anfield, but Liverpool won't be playing their full team. Is the FA Cup dead when it comes to the big clubs? We'll discuss that too. And Manchester United, they won 6-0 over Tranmere Rovers at the weekend. But is it a bit of classic crack papering or is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer still under a whole heap of pressure? at Old Trafford. I've got a feeling it might be the latter. So we'll get onto that shortly as well. But first, as it's a Monday, we're going to kick off with a review, boys. Oh, good. Oh, here we go. Don't get too excited. Uh, this one's a three-star oh. review. So it's not the normal five-star. It's from Yasmanian Devil. Oh. But it's quite short and concise. He says, good podcast when these guys are not being utter b**ns. Oh, I've seen that one last time. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Which I like. It's simple and it's concise and it's constructive as well. Who is the who is the offending party, though? I've got what, an that's idea. What <laughs> I reckon it's Niall. I, think, I reckon I'm in, a sh- I'm in a good position for that. <laughs> I, I've got a feeling Yasmanian Devil, going off his username, might well be a Manchester United yeah, fan. Yeah, it could be. And I think if you're a Manchester United fan, it's understandable that you might get a little bit upset listening to this podcast of late. Interesting yeah, calling we'll... us though with a username like that <laughs> <laughs> but we only we only like we're only reflecting the state of the club you can't be too you can't be like oh everything's going to be fine at Man United because it might not be this is like, very true it's we reflect what your club's doing so if you're like oh they're always being negative about Man United what is there to be positive about Man United at the minute They've well, got a bad board, they've got a bad manager, they've got a bad team. Off to a flyer, Marley. <laughs> You're upsetting Yasmanian Devil again, Marley. We've only well, just started. please spur his feelings. <laughs> when we get on to Manchester United a little bit later, Yasmanian mm. Devil, you might want to skip that bit. But thank yeah. you very much for your feedback. Thank you very much for your review. If you leave us a review on iTunes or however you listen to podcasts, you might get a shout out on the podcast, even if it's a little bit negative. So let's get stuck into today's Football Blends Daily. And we're going to kick off with your team Marley it's a Newcastle United more more potential Mm. takeover rumours at the club now this is an annual thing pretty much always Mm. comes around around this time of year speaking of (laughs) Bellends potentially there's rumours about takeovers and new owners at Mm. Newcastle United it's happened a little bit late in the day this year we're right at the end of the transfer window so does that mean that this time it's the real deal there might actually be a takeover in the offing I highly doubt it Um, when I first seen these Rumours coming out, I think it was Friday night or Saturday morning. Um, I looked at the date immediately. Like, I thought, it's a bit late in January to be coming up with, with this. It's usually the end of December, just before the, yeah. the new transfer window starts. And then we do nothing in January transfer-wise. And then it, it breaks down sort of mid-February and sort of goes away. Um, but this time it's it's happened again, albeit a month later. Um, apparently this guy who's... Um, Leading the 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 takeover party is worth a, nearly a trillion pounds. Apparently, he's one of the richest men in the world. Wow. Who's this Saudi Arabian prince fella? It's just what I, I always say. Like I've just got to believe it when I see it because you can't get carried away with everything. Because it's happened, I think three times now. Mm. Um, 
But it all... does feel different this time because, as you say, yeah, I don't think a, it does. It's a different time. There's actually been investment this window from Newcastle as well, well in playing staff. A couple of loans. We've got well, two guys on loan. Like that's not really investment. It's there's options to buy, but really we spent like two million quid getting well, the pair of them on loan. What other value is there? And from if it is rubbish, if it isn't true, then surely it's nothing to do with Mike Ashley. There's no benefits to him peddling this takeover rumor at this stage. Yeah, I don't. I don't think anything comes from him. It's it's more like the interest might be there, but they've still got to negotiate with Mike Ashley. And one thing he's always said in his very rare interviews is that when the takeover gets done, it'll be you'll hear about it when it's practically done. Mm. Like you'll hear about it, and then it's it's agreed but not announced. That's the, f- the first time you'll hear about it because he's a very private man. He doesn't want to. He doesn't air his dirty laundry. Everywhere he's very rarely gives interviews. Just in courtrooms, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just when he's forced by the law, yeah. Um, but it's it's one of them where it's like oh, it's it's here again. It it's probably there'll be some element of truth in it, but they've still got they've still got to negotiate with Mike Ashley, which is um, which has put off three consortiums before. And consortiums are made up of very experienced businessmen and women who know exactly what they're doing. And have walked away from this deal for for numerous reasons. He's already been described by the people who are putting the deal forward. Mike Ashley has mm. been described as I can't remember the exact. I think it was volatile. They <laughs> yeah. described him as. Yeah, well, he's he is he's, he's he's like every successful businessman. He's a very tough negotiator. He doesn't take. He's not going to lie down and how get what isn't the best deal for for him first, and then for for the club second, I suppose. But. It's all, like the thing that eventually gets rid of Mike Ashley. I've always said would either be someone with uh, so much passion that they pay over the odds, mm. um, in terms of like a, a local businessman who's you know sitting on a five hundred million quid and he, he he can afford to to pay the asking price, or it's going to be someone with so much money they don't know what to do with it, and they've that that's what this seems like. These guys have got so much money that he drives such a hard bargain that like. A lot of the people with enough money have said, "Well, you still, you still taking the mick a bit there. Like you're asking for, you know, all the the debts to be settled and what have you." And then they've walked away from it because he's just charging too much. So the only way around that is to have someone with just far too much money that they don't care about the extra thirty, forty million that he's putting on it in interest or or whatever or whatever clauses he's got. You know, we'll we'll never know because and we wouldn't understand it if we didn't know anyway. Um, but. It's it's one of them where you've got to have a, so much money to to get by him in negotiations because you need to you need to make sacrifices to actually get the deal done. I think. I mean, there's a value outside of the business itself for an investment company such as the Arab States Public Investment Fund, which I believe is what these guys are called. Oh, in that this practice that is known as sports washing, sport yeah, yeah. which is That's essentially improving your international image by investing in a football club. I'm not quite sure how that works, but how yeah. does that sit with you as a Newcastle fan? Because at the moment you've got this guy called Mike Ashley running your football club, universally hated mm. by the Newcastle United fans. You've got an opportunity for investment from Saudi Arabia here, which would no doubt increase the success on the pitch. But the flip side of that is the dealings of the Saudi Arabian crown state and the women's rights issues, the LGBT 
issues, Human the rights, yeah. shady dealings with journalists and embassies and whatnot. Yeah. It's not a great look. And as I don't know how I'd feel if it was someone mm. investing in my football club. Yeah. And Genie's out of the bottle a little bit on this when you look at the investment of Man City and Sheffield United and whatnot. I mean, th- these are groups that all have various shady pasts and yeah. quite shadowy ongoings. Yeah. I don't know how I'd feel as a football club if if a similar group bought the club from David Goldman and Sullivan, for mm. example. I, I think it's a difficult one to balance out in your head. I'm I'm the same, to be honest. I know, like, it doesn't sit right with me that that they are what they are kind of thing. Like, Saudi Arabia in the last couple of years has, has gone massive on sport mm. in terms of what's been dubbed as sports washing. Um, they signed a 10 million... Uh, sorry, a 10-year deal with WWE to do a uh, a couple of shows every year and they're paying like 500 million a show to get them to get um the wrestlers to go and wrestle in in Saudi Arabia and that's because like companies can't turn that money down cuz it's just ridiculous it's just far too much then you see boxing yeah. um the Andy Ruiz Anthony Joshua rematch that was in Saudi Arabia for more money than the guys even know what to do with I think both of them made at least 30 30 40 million quid um, they're also doing. They're also the 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 front runners for the rematch uh, between. Um, sorry for any potential match between Joshua and Wilder in the future. Eddie Hearn said last week that he could see that going there, and that's highly likely to go out there because they're offering stupid money. So they've obviously not got much of a conscience when it comes to that. Um, and if you link that back to football, I don't know how I'd how I'd feel in terms of like if I finally seen my team doing well. I'd probably like it for a bit, but then when you dig down, I think even Man City fans, if you see them now, a lot of the fans before, if you offer them like success before, you know, when they were crapping in Division 2, a lot of them would have been like, yeah, yeah, great, we'll take it. But then even some of them now, it's they, they kind of like, you see the older generation Man City fans, 40, 50 years old fans, and they're like, we kind of preferred it when we were a bit crap because at least we were <laughs> a real club. Yeah. And then... Like it's a bit too easy for them now in terms of we've got all the money we can sign in when we want. It's like it's like playing FIFA on beginner mode. You just you just walk through you people. You, you get a bit bored, yeah. So I don't know. Like the the success would be great, but the human rights is you can't really ignore that because if you look at Saudi Arabia as a country, it's just not a nice place. Like my dad worked there when I was when I was three years old. He went out there for about eighteen months and did some work out there, and like it was bad back then. Like it's still still as bad now. Like it's ridiculous how sort of immoral they are, and there's a million issues going on there. So it's not nice to be linked with them. And as well, it's you, also you don't know how long they're going to be. Do to judge other people's like other nations and cultures by our own standards? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I find it very difficult to separate the two and kind of go, well, that feels like something that doesn't sit well with me. But on the other hand, got to walk a mile in someone else's shoes, kind of scenario yeah the positive purely on a footballing basis mm. is the rumours concerning if a takeover does go through potentially Rafa Benitez coming back to the club <laughs> which feels a little bit harsh on Steve Bruce doesn't it the f- uh, no <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is that if this takeover goes through Steve Bruce will be in charge of the richest football club in the world <laughs> even for a short period of time um, 
but yeah, I don't know. Like you, it's we're, we're crossing bridges before they come to it. But you would assume a better manager than Steve Bruce would would come in, and you would assume. Is there a better manager than Steve? Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> there is. Yeah, there's two in this room. Um, there's. I want to know who you're excluding from that. <laughs> Steve. Steve okay. won't turn up. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it's just one of them where it's like clearly they would have their eyes on someone bigger and more marketable than than a kebab loving Steve Bruce. But you know, I mean, he's doing it right at the minute. But they would they would come in and it's just like any new owner. It doesn't matter how good you've done if they don't have their eyes on you. Then there's nothing you can do really. You can't claim for unfair dismissal. It's not a normal workplace no. mm. where you can go, well, you've got no reason to sack me because they can just go, well, we don't like you. Yeah. And let's be honest, their human rights record, they're not going to be asked about giving the fat guy from North Shields his uh, P45. I'm sure he'd be quite happy with a couple a million quid in his back pocket yeah, to exactly, say goodbye yeah. anyway. Uh, back to more football-y issues. And the big story from the FA Cup this weekend was the dramatic comeback from Shrewsbury Town, who pulled back a 2-2 draw. He pulled... Dramatic comeback from Shrewsbury Town, who pulled out a 2-2 draw versus Liverpool. Didn't take long after the game for Jurgen Klopp to quell the fire a little bit by saying that when they get the replay, he's A, going to play the under-23s, and B, he won't be managing the team because he wants to, quote, respect the winter break. (sighs) Steve, as a Liverpool fan, I think it's quite difficult to defend these comments because even... He's going to try. I kind of get it, and I get the fixture congestion that Liverpool have, but it is disrespectful for the competition, and it's disrespectful to Shrewsbury Town as well, who have earned the draw, earned the replay. They're going to Anfield, and then Jurgen Klopp's almost going, It's almost. it almost feels like sour grapes. He's going, oh, well, I'm not going to play. I'm going to play the kids. I'm not going to be there. I'm going to be on my holidays. Yeah. Uh, I think, <laughs> first and foremost, you know, congratulations to Shrewsbury yesterday. You know, they were good value for that, I thought. You know, some, some really nice kind of individual players there. But I think what we've got there is is Jürgen, who is very clearly upset with his team that they've not managed to do the job on the day. And even though I I support Liverpool and the fact that the FA Cup is, very, is, is lower on our priority list this season, I think we've probably not worded it as well as we, sh- we should have done. Mm. Um because if you look at the stats for it, Klopp, since he's took over at Liverpool, always makes wholesale changes in the FA Cup. So there's no different, no difference there. Um, I wouldn't have probably come out and said that you know Neil Critchley and the under twenty three are going to do the tie, because I think if you're charging people thirty five quid to get in or whatever it is, then suddenly that doesn't feel particularly good either, mm. unless they come out and say everyone everyone can get in for a tenner or something, because you're not going to see the stars, but. I just think... I'm not sure you can do that, can you? And they, that would impact Shrewsbury Town's takings from the replay as well. Yeah. The takings are shared. Probably, but, you mm. know, people struggle to get tickets for Liverpool anyway. There's a, there's a well, tens and tens of thousands of people who can't go and watch Liverpool every week. Um, not everyone's fortunate enough to get, you know, seats on the ground and stuff like that. But for that particular tie, general sale, people would fancy the chances of getting a ticket for it. But I would, I would have said that probably in the week of the match, I would have kind of said, listen, we're in the winter break and we are going to rotate. And that's probably all I would have said. Um, and and that, and that's you know leaves it at that then. But I think you know to come out very very annoyed with his team because even though that it was the majority of kids, we still had Adrian. Lovren, Matip, Fabinho on the pitch to start mm. with, and uh, Lovren was horrendous yesterday. And you know it's the type of game because he did it at Milton Keynes where he, he has these continual brain farts on the pitch. 
and um, he was he was absolutely shocking yesterday. But I just think fair play to Shrewsbury, and unfortunately, you know, if you're a Man City, or Liverpool, and and you're fighting on multiple fronts in in it's low on the priority list. Um, I just probably would have. I mean, they did in the Carabao Cup, didn't they? Because the the kids got spanked by Villa five yeah. nil, but. I just think it's just the way the way that it is, and we do play too many games in this country, and and the teams do have to have a winter break because we've been crying out for it for years. But I mean, look at Newcastle for example, your team, the injuries that they've picked up by having this ridiculous I mean. amounts Newcastle of games. Newcastle played uh, ten games in thirty five days. It's ridiculous, and, it's, and Almiron and Joe Linton have started everyone. Exactly. So, you know, Newcastle for as an example, the other Premier League teams do have to have a break, and that's what. Well, that's got, the thing. We haven't got a break now because we drew as well. Because you've Newcastle got to replay in the midweek. Yeah. And so we. Well, the thing is, we've cancelled that break right. because we were like, right, here, well, we've got another game now. So you've you've all it <laughs> by yeah by not winning the first game. Well, but I believe Liverpool have just went. Oh well, well we're not playing. So this and is just yeah. still gone off. That that it, riles me. That I think mm. it's so disrespectful. But it, it, it's just it, circumstantial. It's the wording that's wrong, Marley. Yeah. It's not the situation. I, I guess I, there was an element of passion that came just into don't it. Don't go it on holiday afterwards. They're not. But this is something. They're going for a winter break, aren't they? No, he's cancelled it. They've just given them the week off. But th- this communi- That's even worse. The communication between the FA and the Premier League's flawed here. Yeah. Because the Premier League asked clubs to respect the winter breaks. So they were having this break, they were basically, don't go and play a friendly in Thailand, use it as a proper break, rest the players. Mm. And the FA have gone, well, we're going to have our FA Cup replays in this game, which yeah, doesn't ridiculous. affect everyone, but it does affect Liverpool, it does affect Newcastle. And it's Tottenham just as well, yeah. Complete lack of joined up thinking between mm. the two authorities. Yeah. They're not who should be working together. And it's a ridiculous situation because it doesn't happen in other top European leagues. They've got it sorted out. I mean, I think what they have two or three weeks in Germany, don't they? Were, you know, the, the break is on. And Practically all of January is. Uh, it's because of the bad weather it's ruled out weeks, yeah. and the muscular injuries that the lads are picking up and stuff like that and we, we've got to sort it out we know we're the biggest league in the world um, you know we've got the most money we've got the you know superstars in our league and we, we've got to you know get our heads around it and, and figure out what's what's best and you know and it might be one of them where not that the other clubs would like it and I'm just thinking off the top of my head here where, where the, if you're a Champions League team you're coming in the fourth round or something you know what I mean but mm. there's got to be a and I'm not saying we should do that that's just something that's just come into my head um, but we've got to find a workaround so the likes of Newcastle Liverpool etc that have got a winter break planned in and I mean it's a week that's it you know where they're not thinking actually we've got to play on Wednesday night or we've got to go so who did you have in the cup by the way? Oxford. So you've got to go to Newcastle to Oxford yeah, midweek. So, yeah. On a Tuesday night, week it's on Tuesday. It's a nightmare. You know, and it's, so you've talked about, you know, Almiron and, and Joe Linton starting every single game. And, yeah. you know, I mean, Newcastle are ravaged by injuries at the minute, which is why they've gone and signed a couple of players. But it, it's just mental. And I just think, you know, coming back to the point is to have we worded it as best as we could straight after the game. No, because he's been too emotional with it. But... That's one little little chink in his armour um, that we've had all season from him, and I think he's. I think that was more a frustration the the lads that have been on the pitch not doing a job because we we took that as a as a, for granted yesterday because we beat Everton last round. Is it time to just admit that if you are a big club, and this maybe doesn't extend to the fans, although having said that, if you look at Pep Guardiola's comments after the Manchester City game and a very empty. Etihad Stadium they played their win over Fulham in front of but if you are in general a big club you don't really care about the FA Cup you don't really care about the League Cup it's all about the Premier League and the Champions League potentially the Europa League it is I think that is the case and I think that I might have mentioned it before on the podcast I think if you were going to sacrifice one of them you'd sacrifice the Carabao Cup because that is fixture heavy 
at the, at the mm. first half of the season because I think the final's in February, isn't it? Yeah, start, I think it starts two weeks into the season as well. Yeah, like, that's the first it. round. So, so I yeah. think... Uh, you know, if, if if the Champions League teams are out of that, so you've got your kind of, you know, your, your Man City, Liverpool, Tottenham, uh, and, and Co. are out of it. If you're a Newcastle, if you're an Everton, if you're a West Ham, a Wolves, a Leicester, you're thinking, actually, this is a chance to get to Wembley and win a bit of silverware here. So then they start to take it a bit more seriously. Yeah. And then if you're if Liverpool, Man City are coming into the FA Cup in January, they've not really had that massive amount of fixtures, you know. Um, before it, and I think that because with the Champions League, the Carabao Cup in midweek, I think you can do that though. You can't just have a bye to the. If you're if you happen to be playing in Europe, you can have a bye to the fourth round. No, I'm saying just start in the third round. I mean, it was just an idea that come into me. I'm not saying that we should do it, but there's got to be a workaround. Where I wouldn't put them in it if they were if they're in the Champions League, just don't be in the Carabao Cup at yeah, all. Absolutely. But then again, like the the whole advertisement of the whole thing, it loses its precedence because the bigger clubs aren't in it. So yeah. if you're looking from an advertising point of view. It loses its uh, its weight. And it's it's all about you know the money. It's I, all about the money. I actually like David Moyes' um, suggestion of put make it a British Cup and put um, put the Scottish teams in it. Put put Rangers and Celtic. Put the top six. So yeah. top but then six, they'd have to sacrifice six, one of their cups, wouldn't they? Because they couldn't go into another tournament. So it. I'm sure they wouldn't. Just, if, mate, if the Carabao Cup's bad in England, I'm pretty sure the Scottish League Cup's well, like, not exactly not exactly so like for me, revered. Yeah, I think you know. Take it, go out the Carabao Cup and not go into it, and come in the FA Cup third round. You know, the middle of January, and and then go from there. But we have got to get the Premier League a proper winter break of a fortnight at least. I think. Well, there's no question that Manchester United do care about the FA Cup. Well, they did care about it this weekend after their six nil win over Tranmere. Has that done anything? to quell the pressure, to ease the pressure on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at the club. We're going to talk about that next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Premier League updates. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Now, a few people, myself included, tipped Tranmere versus Manchester United as a potential FA Cup upset, but couldn't have been more wrong. A 6-0 win for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's men normally would alleviate a bit of fan pressure on a manager, but was that the case this weekend? Probably not so much because there were songs being sung in the terraces at Manchester United versus Tranmere that we cannot repeat on on the podcast. And it certain, I mean, it might have bought Solskjaer a little bit of time, but it hasn't really made much difference to the way the fans feel about the board or Woodward or the club in general at the moment, has it? No. I think, you know, Tranmere, likely they're going to be, you know, relegated from League One, aren't they, you know, come the end of the season because they have struggled since they got promoted. I mean, what I will give United for it, credit for it, is, is going to Prenton Park, playing on a difficult pitch and being pretty ruthless. Yeah. Uh, but we have got to consider the opposition. And, you know, let me have it right as well. Harry Maguire took his goal really well yeah. uh, <laughs> yesterday. And, you know, a bit more of that United fans and you'd be buzzing, won't you? I liked his celebration as well. He just kind of stood there with his arm outstretched, almost like it was 25 years since Cantona's Kung Fu Jesus kick this Christ pose. And it was a bit of a Cantona-esque uh, celebration, just kind yeah. of stood there. Bit of swagger, bit yeah. of that. Attitude, yeah. Okay, listen, it's a I start, I that one to Jesse Lingard's, yeah. to be fair. Oh, well, at least he's got one now. And, you know, there's, yeah. there's, a, there's a, a goal gone in the there. The best thing is Jesse Lingard's two goals this season have came against Tramir Rovers in Astana. So, so like, some, some, level. Super, some super. Kazakhstani <laughs> farmers <laughs> and then Tramir. I, I think it, it doesn't alleviate the pressure on Solskjaer because he's a manager who is woefully out of his depth in his role and, you know, the toxic environment at United at the minute because of the horrific owners they've got and... 
you know, the, the ex-investment banker who's, you know, the, the, who's running the ship there. Um, when you put all that into the mix, it is, it's just a mess. And I think it, United, what we've said, they've got to put the line in the sand and they've got to start putting these building blocks together again because it's a, a humongous football club. The success is phenomenal that it's had. Everything that commercially, yes, they probably need to kind of sort out a dilapidated Old Trafford, but mm. um, that's quite problematic because of the area that it's in. But United can get back on track, but they've got to put these building blocks in place. And the, one of the fundamentals of it for me is, is getting a manager in there who can attract the right players, plays the right amount of football and doesn't talk absolute nonsense in press conferences. If United did start turning around the results, if this is the first step to them turning it around and starting to become a force in the Premier League again, if they get the Bruno Fernandes deal over the line as well. We need a Bruno Fernandes his... klaxon every time we talk about it on this uh, We're not going to mention it again. But if these things kind of start to happen, if the results improve, if the transfers improve, do you think there'll be a sea change in the opinions on the board? Or do you think it's too ingrained now? This hate of the Glazers, this campaign is too far gone to ever completely recede? Yeah, it's too... It's too toxic at the minute. Like, you, you can't turn that around, like, especially not with one game or or even one one season for example like they're just i think they've united fans have finally realized that you know whatever manager you have they're still going to be working with one hand tied behind the back in terms of they're not going to get the the right investment that, that the fans sort of demand um i agree with steve i think he's he is out of his depth um however i do think he's a good manager for a rebuild because you want somebody who's signing players that will fit the traditional Man United, which everyone seems to want to go back to. But mm. Would you trust him with a couple of hundred million quid? Yeah, well, I look what he's done so far. But Magu- are, you, Maguire, are, you, are you trusting Bissac. him as well? That's the other thing. Well, it's like, it's what? Are you trusting him? No. He's not being handed a million quid and go, go and pick your players, is he? No. He's being told to front what is a plan that's come from somewhere mm. else. Yeah, he's kind of like, he, he signs off on the, on the, scouting, yeah. the scouting report and what have you. Um, I... If, if you look at who they've signed, Maguire, Wambasaka, and James, they've all been good. So that's three out of three for me. Mm-hmm. I don't like Maguire's not been amazing, but I've said it time and time again. The problem with Manny Ayers' defense is the guy playing alongside him because Lindelof is not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, Bye, he's the best of the bunch for them, isn't probably, he? Probably, yeah. And but, the, but even that, injured. even that, they need a need another centre back as well. Another mm-hmm. fifty million centre back, someone like Soyuncu from Leicester, or someone, anyone really. But that's another mm-hmm. that's another thing. But of the three they've signed. I think they've all been good. Um, the, the question is, they need more. So you're talking about giving Solskjaer three or four transfer windows or giving any manager three or four transfer windows to sort it out. But then you write one off in January by saying, well, it's a difficult market to do business in. Well, if it's a difficult market, start doing that business in October. Yeah. Mm. Have the two months of back and forward negotiations with all the all the clauses and all the agents and all that stuff in that's been complicating the deal since whenever don't leave it to it's January the 27th and it seems to have gone completely cold it's insane how football clubs do this how they wait till the end of the transfer window to bring in players I know you've got January that's your 31 days to sign a player but as you say start doing those negotiations in October in Mm. November make sure you've got them in like Liverpool did with 
Minanonimo mate. Bring him in January the first. Yeah, we do with Van Dyke as well. By the time you get to like the twentieth, twenty third, they've been training for three weeks. They're ready to play. Didn't he on on like the fourth? Yeah, he signed on the second of January and made his debut on the fourth and scored against Everton. I think last year was it. I think the announcement and on social media and and via the platforms was on about the twenty seventh of December because it's the picture of his Liverpool shirt and it says as of the first of January he'll Mm. be a Liverpool player. That's how you do it. Yeah, because then you've got the whole of January with your new player. Uh, you know, you don't kind of have a stampede like, I mean, Christ, Everton were bad for it, in, you know, in back in August, weren't they? And suddenly, you know, yeah, Wolby and, and Keen and, and all that, you know, quite quite late yeah. on. And um, it, you've got to have your, your ducks in a row when it comes to the transfer market. And you've got to kind of be saying to these people, like Marley says in October, listen, we're in the market for the centre-half, you know, you you represent player A, Sionku, yep. for example. Do you represent player B? What can you tell us about their situation? You know, is, is it, if we push to the club, are they likely to be mm. agreeable to doing some kind of deal for him? You don't kind of get on the 17th of January and go, oh, right, we need to, they want an extra 10 million quid. There's an element of brinkmanship, I think, involved, yeah. isn't there? Like, yeah. the closer you get to the deadline, the more likely mm. that either you're going to pay over the odds yeah. or you're going to yeah. get a bit of a deal if the player yeah. really wants to leave. It, it seems to me that the spend's really low this year in comparison yeah, as well, is. you know. No so. one's done any business, mm. really, yeah. yet. But... The whole thing, like it, this sort of last minute stuff, it reminds me of when, like, depending on who you are listening to the podcast, if it's either like your mum or your wife telling you to, to do something when for when she gets home from work and you, and you get to like five minutes before she's due in, you go, I haven't done that. Yeah. <laughs> like, you never box it off early, then go play FIFA, do you? Exactly. You play FIFA, then you do it. Yeah. <laughs> and then you think, oh, no, it's five to six. And she told me to put that chicken in at quarter two and now it's not going to be ready. Like, I've been in that situation a million times. But it's one of them where you're just doing everything last minute and then you end up doing it not as well as you should have because you should have done it half an hour ago. When With the United thing, I guess... It's a question of how thick the skin is of Ed Woodward and the Glazers. Oh, it's very thick. And it's pretty thick. Yeah. It's like titanium. The only thing that is likely to change, in my opinion, is potentially the results keep slipping. They might get rid of Solskjaer. They yeah. might bring He's probably in probably got till summer. He's probably got till summer, hasn't he? The name that's being linked with that potential job today in the papers, the Sun are reporting that the board have been sounding out Gareth Southgate as a potential replacement for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I can't see that Southgate coming into Manchester United would appease the fans in any way. He's just another company man, isn't he? He's just another yes man that will operate under the board, do what they say. And, I mean, he has more experience as a manager. Obviously, he's been managing England for the last four years. Mm, Something like that. Yeah, four years. Has some club experience before Mm. that at a higher level than Mould, for example, or (laughs) Or Cardiff. Cardiff. But it doesn't feel like he is the man that Manchester United fans want. I think with Southgate, I think, would he do a better job than uh, Solskjaer? Yes, he would. Um, Does he handle himself a little bit better? Has he got a little bit more authority than, uh, you know, Solskjaer? Because Solskjaer seems to me to be the type of manager where he's like, right, lads, Let's kind of get these cones out and let's drill, you know, this particular scenario. And let's sound Ollie, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, we'll get right to that. Whereas I think that uh, Southgate would have a bit more authority with it, but he does fit the profile of not challenging the Glazers when he's saying, kind of saying, well, where's all the money? Yeah. And I you know where they're going, well, we're taking it out and we're putting it into whatever they do, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or whatever is going on in their life. Um, but I could see, I could actually see that happening. I think that is something where after the Euros, particularly if England do well at it, mm. and if England do win the Euros, which I think the favourites to do so, aren't they? 
going into Man United will probably seem like a bit of a coup for them then because mm. they've got the kind of England manager that's won the Euros. So, I, you know what? I, I'm not surprised by it, but I can actually see that happening. And I think tactically he's a bit better than Oli. And I actually like the guy as well. You know, so who knows? So sure I'll become director of football or some other disastrous yeah, appointment like that, something yeah, yeah. ridiculous. Program seller. Well, <laughs> Southgate's only he's only ever managed Middlesbrough. He got him relegated. So he's an ideal uh, Manchester United manager. Yeah. <laughs> he fits their moulds for success. Yeah. Uh, let's wrap up with a little bit of transfer gossip. And mm-hmm. um, we're going to start with Tottenham, who are in for a couple of players. Two names being linked, according to the Mirror. It's um, PSV Eindhoven's Steven Bergvin and also AC Milan and Polish forward Christoph Piatek, both being linked with moves. That's Sky Italia with that one. Is it just the case that if you're big and if you're a forward, you're going to be linked with Tottenham at the moment because Mourinho wants a target man? Maybe, yeah, but um, Stephen Bergwijn is is not a centre-forward, he's a winger. He's good, though. He's good, but they've got, they've got a few wingers. They've got Lucas, they've got Son, they've got Ali to... Like to fill that midfield sort mm. of front three in the midfield behind the striker. Is this more an Ericsson replacement potentially? That I, think, I, think so. role, I think so. I think so. Yeah, but Ericsson rolls him though, does he? No, but I think if you move Ali into the middle, then the left becomes free or the right becomes free. If you've got some, I don't know. It's it's one of them. It, it seems round holes. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, don't get me wrong. He's a good player, but it doesn't seem to be what Spurs need right now mm. maybe in the summer if they're going to you know change their style slightly and play with three up front for example he's perfect for that because that's how he plays in, in PSV's system they play three up front um, Ericsson's in Milan at the minute I've seen a picture of him arriving at Milan airport so that seems to be done um, so maybe they're just getting a body in to, mm. to compensate for Ericsson it Ericsson's feels like Spurs I are think. the club that will do a deal of some kind in this yeah. window if yeah, something's going to happen they've got to yeah they need, they need a striker to Forward three, won't it? You know, because they're probably looking at you know Salah, Mane, Firmino, how that kind of works at Liverpool, and thinking, can they do something very similar themselves? Like, and you know, yeah. but I think it, it, it. I rate him. You know, the, the footage I've seen of him and and the games that I've seen him play, I think you know he's a Netherlands international. He's got good pedigree, and and he would improve that Tottenham team. So you know, I don't know what the money is. I mean, what we say money wise, it's got to be at least. 35-40, hasn't it, I'm guessing? I would say so, yeah. He's, uh, yeah, they're entitled to charge that as well because he's one of the best players in one of the best teams in Holland, so mm. you're not going to sell him for pennies, you're going to sell him for... I think he's a pedigree for developing players yeah. as well. Yeah, I, I think mean, if you're then again, if you look at Memphis Depay, he's a similar sort of, like, mm. similar level, similar position, so he went for, was it 40, 50 like yeah. Uh, before and he was rubbish. So. Well, he was at United because of, I think the way he was managed. Yeah, uh, probably, but yeah. at Leon, he's been fair. phenomenal. Yep. Arsenal versus Everton are battling it out apparently to sign Colombian midfielder Real Madrid's James Rodriguez, who feels like an exciting player to come to the Premier League, but not the kind of player that Arsenal need at all. And exactly the kind of player that Everton sign and ends up being incredibly disappointing. Well, if he's an attacking midfielder, Everton are in for him. (laughs) Well, there's there's two things that strike me about that, and I don't know what what you guys think, but firstly, surely Everton haven't got the money to kind of pay uh, Rodriguez's wages. You keep on banging on about their FFP, Steve. I think you're trying to get them investigated. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we, we, we know kind of what the accounts have been put out last week or two, something like that. We know how close they are to that. That threshold, you know, Hamas Rodriguez is going to want 300k a week, isn't he? Yeah, you know, to he's come on in. mega money. Uh, he's on huge money at Real Madrid, and obviously Bayern Munich, I think, had his wages part funded by Real Madrid as well, didn't yeah. he? When he was there on loan, and Bayern have been trying. Uh, sorry, Real have been trying to sell him for the last three years. 
Exactly. Mm. They want him off There's the wage. There's a clear bill. reason why no one's took him. Exactly. Wages. I can't see that. But could I say Arsenal doing that deal? I think so. I think um, so. I think that would be the, that kind of marquee signing that the players would like to come into the club and obviously it's a big statement for Arteta if he can get Rodriguez in and suddenly it brings a little bit of feel-good factor back but I think with Arsenal players would need to move on. Yeah, I don't think he would fit in. I think he's he's similar to Ozil in in terms of one, his position and two, he's got the same negatives as Ozil as in he doesn't really track back too much. He's a bit more of a a luxury kind of player like Feels a, like a game player, winner he already yeah, <laughs> so he fits, he fits, ticks every box for Arsenal well, you can't yeah. do it now you can't have them luxury players anymore because I think if you come up against certain teams in the Premier League where you've got full backs with pace you know like if you've got you know bloody Ben Chilwell you know, turning down at you or Andy Robertson you know you, you have got to track back and help your full back out and if he's not going to do that it's he's not really a Premier League player it's where we are player. with football at the moment isn't it it's all about working hard and the high press and yeah. all that kind of thing it's just that yeah. is in vogue and you need to do that if you're a footballer right final transfer is one that's really going to test my I mean you know how bad I'm at pronouncing footballers names anyway here we go this one is one of the it's one I'm guaranteed to get wrong so Bournemouth apparently contemplating a late bid this is according to nine minutes for (laughs) Levski Sofia's Icelandic defender Holmar on Isolafsson. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> How are we doing there? Uh, Eilfsson. 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 Oh, let's have a look yeah. at this. Let me, let's have a look. I think you're both balls out there. E-Y-J-O-L-F-S-S-O-N. Yeah. Eilfsson. Let's have a look. I'm just trying to, you know, the paper talk on Sky Sports News. I'm just trying to trying to go down that at the minute and see. But anyway, I'll take your word for it because, you know, scrolling's going to take me ages and uh, I don't want Yasmanian devil to kick off. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, the only thing I've heard about this guy is is he was in the Iceland squad when they did very well in, in the Euros, when they knocked England out. Um, I watched it in a bar in Magaluf. <laughs> Classy. <laughs> well, less said about that, the better. Um, yeah, that's, all, that, that's all I know I know, I know about him. I and I signed him on FIFA once. He was pretty good. I that can't was, shed any light on him other than it feels like potentially it means Nathan Ake could go yeah. the other way. Nathan Ake's been linked isn't with... He, uh, is he, he's like 29, isn't he? Yeah, this he's lad. 29. It's a bit of a weird one. Do you think it's a sign that Nathan Ake could be off because he's had some interest yes. from Arsenal, he's had some interest from Chelsea, although apparently Chelsea aren't interested now, but yeah. it has been rumoured. It just seems like this window he could be playing his football elsewhere. He's mm. going somewhere. I don't think it'll be this window because it's, it's four days left and it, it's not that, you know, selling your best player pretty much with, with four or five days left is, uh, yeah. is a... When you're staring a, down the of barrel of relegation. Which, yeah, which they like are doing. Kicking yourselves in the balls for no reason. Um, <laughs> he'll definitely be off in the next two windows. If, if, he, if he doesn't go this window, he'll definitely go in the summer because his time's up there. Bournemouth, is, I think he stayed with them enough to see if they can become that sort of tenth mid mid table mm. pushing for Europe which kind is, of which team. Not do, are they? And they've 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 gone backwards this season, so why why stay and, and just try again and try again and there's no guarantee they're gonna get better and he's one of the better players in that team. So I think maybe Ollie will go in summer. He'll be <laughs> <laughs> He'd be good caught. for Man United. Stick him alongside Maguire. I think that'd be good. Yeah, it would yeah, be good. Would be that. Yeah. Genuinely yeah. a decent signing. Yeah. Oh, maybe they might be pulling a rabbit out of the hat. Who knows? Maybe. Right, we'll pulling leave. the finger out there has to be better but <laughs> right we'll leave it there that is it for Football Social Daily Marley, Steve thank you very Cheers. much thank you make sure you click subscribe on this podcast however you're listening we'll send you the next episode as soon as it's ready and please do leave us a review however you listen to podcasts and you might get a shout out on the podcast too just we'll don't call s- those names <laughs> well you can if you like it's fun <laughs> no, we'll it's see funny. you next time 
Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.